0: Several scriptures, and we're going to skip a little bit. And I appreciate you standing. We are going to read a lengthy portion of scripture. I believe it will be a help to us as we go along. And I'm going to be preaching from this subject the proper posture of the church. The proper posture of the church. And if I could subtitle it as as I like to do, I would call it The Danger of Sitting Down. The Danger of Sitting Down. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. Everyone said Hannah. And after they had drunk, Now, Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. But I'd like us to turn to the next chapter, chapter 2 and verse number 12. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Skipping down to verse 17. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering. Oh, I feel the anointing so strong right now. Skipping down to verse 31. Behold the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house that there shall not be an old man in thine house and thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation and all the wealth which God shall give Israel and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever and the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age and this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. And one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest. Someone said a faithful priest. That shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house. Someone said a sure house. I wish I had time to preach about a sure house. But that'd be good preaching, wouldn't it? And he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And one more portion of Scripture. Let's turn to chapter 4 and verse number 12. And I'm not going to apologize for it, but I will let you know that we are going to be looking at a severe portion of Scripture. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head when he came low, Eli sat. Someone said sat. He sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. Everybody say he's sitting down again. He's sitting down again and he's just watching. Verse number 16. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army and I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. And there have been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate. And his neck broke, And he died. I'm preaching the proper posture of the church. I believe the appropriate posture for us right now in this moment would be for us to put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and not only our hands but our hearts and our spirits. And I believe we ought to cry out to God right now. Rita Taboyoto Sondolo Bohoya. Oh dear God. Lord, I feel the anointing all over me, Lord. Help me to deliver what you've placed in my heart, oh God. Lord, I pray that my my passion and that my emotions would not cloud my ability to deliver what you placed upon me. That you lift this burden from my heart and that you would speak to your people. We surrender our minds, our soul, our spirit to you tonight. In the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody just love him for a moment. Would you make a joyful noise? Clap your hands. Whatever you have to do, just... Just let the Lord know you love him. Whatever you have to do. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. I magnify you, Lord. I magnify you. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As you're being seated, look at your neighbor and tell him, don't sit down. As I sought God for direction for tonight's service several things were burning in my spirit and there's one thing that the church must not allow itself to become and that is lazy. I'm often troubled at how quickly men and women desire a preaching ministry or a teaching ministry or a visible position of some kind and Yet they are unwilling to labor in the harvest field or be faithful in the small things. Can I tell you that you will never have a ministry of any kind and despise the small things. Allow me to humbly submit to you tonight a thought that we here at Apostolic Tabernacle must seriously consider. Far too many people are longing for their friends and loved ones to be saved, and yet they remain indifferent towards the harvest field that God is calling them to work in. I felt convicted by God in my heart very strongly that if we here at Apostolic Tabernacle would get busy reaching the unreachable, reaching the outcast, reaching for the unwanted, reaching for the hopeless, reaching for the unloved, reaching for the overlooked, then God would begin to honor our prayer request. But reaching the lost requires more than just praying and hoping for God to pick someone up and drop them in a pew on Sunday morning. We are the body of Christ, we are the hands and the feet. Of the gospel. We are called to go into our cities and go into our towns and go into our neighborhoods and go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come and to be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that God is very concerned with the posture of our church. Someone said, My church. When I refer to posture, I am referring to two things. Number one, I am referring to the position of a body as a whole. To assume a posture, every part of the body must cooperate and function together in order to assume that position. Every part of the body must work together in tandem. The foot cannot say to the leg, I believe I'll assume a different posture than you today. Nor can the leg say to the arm, I believe I'll take a different posture than you today. But there is more implied within the meaning of the word posture than just physical posture. I was surprised to find in the dictionary that the word posture also refers to a mental or spiritual attitude. In the verb form, the word posture means to assume a physical, mental, or spiritual position, and then to maintain that position indefinitely. I believe that God is watching us even now in this service tonight, and he is more than a little concerned with how we are postured, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. Are we postured for revival or complacency? Are we postured to fulfill our own selfish desires or to fulfill the will of the Spirit? Are we postured to make excuses for our own inactivity or to be busy about our father's business? Are we postured for prayer or pleasure, praise or platitudes? It's not your pastor who will judge you, nor your husband or your wife, your friend or your foe, your children or your neighbor, but God himself is looking at the church tonight and he's examining the contents of our thoughts. He's examining the contents of of our character, and he's looking for a church willing to maintain the right posture in these last days. And I believe that God is noticing the condition of the church tonight. I believe that he's watching the state of its affairs spiritually, mentally, and physically. I'll preach this tonight even if nobody says amen. Every time that I have mentioned the rapture in the last few months, I have felt a tightening in my spirit. Even now I can hear the internal yawning and the inward moans of boredom. But make no mistake about it. It is the end of times. And God will not be accepting a bride that is busy looking for somebody else's oil. But rather he will be looking for a people whose lamps are burning brightly. Who have their own supply of oil. Who are watching for his return. Anticipating his return. His return, anticipating the rapture, looking for the eastern sky to be split open. God is looking for a bride that is ready for his return tonight this church is being served notice that when the wheels of time grind suddenly to a halt God will be looking for a properly postured church I do not hear God saying sit ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths nor do I hear the voice of the Lord encouraging us to take a rest and watch our oil burn out but I hear the voice of God calling his church to a different posture. I hear him saying, take the posture of a standing army that's at attention, rapidly involved with his word, looking for his return, ready for their marching orders, ready to fight for the kingdom of God, ready to storm the gates of hell, ready to take the offensive and not just the defensive concerned with what's happening in the heavenlies, wanting to be a part of what God is doing. A sitting church is not a seeking church. A sitting church is not going into the highways and byways, compelling the lost to come. A sitting church is not a praying church. A sitting church is not a praising church. Sitting is the posture of laziness. Sitting is the posture of inactivity. A sitting church is not a worshiping church, but but the bride that Christ is coming for is not a spiritual couch potato but the church that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to look for is a standing army ready to pick up the sword of the spirit the word of God ready to walk in the gifts of the spirit full of the anointing and fervor and urgency with a fire in its belly not backing down not afraid not trembling not quivering but standing confidently no Knowing that the Lord himself goes before us and knowing that the Lord himself will fight our battles for us. If you believe that we serve a God that goes before us, why don't you lift up a shout of victory tonight? Why don't you thank him for walking out ahead of us? His spirit was already in this tabernacle before we graced it with our presence. His presence was already here preparing hallelujah oh, come on somebody preach with me tonight i need somebody to get the preach on them i need somebody to get anointed ears tonight i need somebody to get involved with this message I do not hear the voice of the Spirit saying to us, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, sit down and rest your weary bones. No, no. What does the word of the Lord tell us to do? That when we're at our wit's end, when we've come to the end of the tunnel when the evil day is grinding down on us and it's thrown every trick in its trick book and we're running out of options the good book tells us to stand therefore just stand just get up and stand there and when you've done all that you can do to stand just stand a little bit more and God himself will prop you up and hold you there by the power of his own might we serve a God that when you can't stand up on your own, He'll take you by the hand and He will hold you there. God will give you the strength to stand. Oh, and having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, peace. I hear the Lord saying to us tonight to put on the whole armor of God, not so that you could sit down, but so that you could stand. There's a war. that's raging around us. There's a battle even now. Even now. Right in this moment. There's a teenager soul in the balance. Right in this moment, somewhere down the street, there's somebody who's contemplating suicide and likely they're going to go through with it. Right now, Satan is waging war on somebody that we love right now. This is no time to sit down on God. This is no time to get lazy on God because the enemy is not tired. The enemy's not sitting down and neither is the church of the living God. We are going to stand up for truth and stand up for the gospel and stand up for righteousness and stand up for holiness. Come on, somebody preach with me tonight. Clap your hands to the Lord. There's too much work to be done. There's too many battles to fight. There's too many things that God's calling us to do. When Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Mount Vesuvio, many lives were lost. And when they went digging through the rubble, some were found in cellars as if they had gone there for security. And some... We're at the tops of buildings as high as they could go. But when? They found the Roman sentinel. They found him still standing at attention. They found him grasping his weapon as cinders came around him. As the wind and the fire and the heat covered his body. He maintained a posture of attention. I am preaching to somebody tonight. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what religion has done to you. I don't care what people have done to you. I I don't care what life has done to you. I don't care what the world has done to you. God is looking for somebody who will stand in the midst of fire and maintain the posture of readiness and maintain the position that God has called us to a posture of readiness to work for the kingdom of God. I refuse. Now listen to this preacher, and I say this with all humility. I refuse, and not just our church, but I mean the church as a whole, I refuse to be a part of a frail, anemic, sleepy church looking to sit down until the trumpet sounds. Because when the trumpet sounds, that kind of church will still be sitting on the ground. The church that I'm a part of is still standing right where God placed it. Still ready with a sword in its hand and a shield in the other and its feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Sitting is the posture of silence and inactivity. The church that God's looking for is a church that knows how to make a joyful noise. The church is mandated to go in to all the world. It's a busy church. It's a purposeful church. It's a confident church. It's a courageous church. It has determination in its eyes and fire in its belly. It stands ready to take on anything that would defy the purpose of God. The church described in my Bible is a moving, marching army. And if you're sitting down, it's time to get up. I wish somebody would shout it out. Don't sit down. And I don't just mean physically, I mean spiritually. You may not can stand up physically, but spiritually you can stand tall. Spiritually, you can be a giant of a prayer warrior. You can be a prayer warrior that tears down the gates of hell. When you first see Eli in scripture, he's just sitting there in the temple. But what's more interesting to me is that a saint of God is right there praying. She is desperate for a son. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that's desperate for revival. She is desperate for God to do something That is physically impossible. She needs a supernatural intervention. Anybody ever been there before? Maybe you're there right now. In fact, every one of us are there right now. Because every one of us here tonight that's concerned with souls, we need God to give us a supernatural revival. We can't do it with the works of our hands. We can't preach good enough. We can't sing good enough. We can't dance pretty enough. We can't put on a nice enough drama program. We need God to give us a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Ghost in these last days. It's not going to happen because somebody's got a great big charismatic personality. It's not going to happen because... Because we get a radio program. It's not going to happen because our internet is so nice. It's going to happen because God looks for a desperate people that are crying out and saying, Lord, give us new babies in the Holy Ghost. Give us children. Pour out your Spirit. We don't want to go another year. We don't want to go another week, God another month we're not content with what we have that was the spirit of Hannah she said I I love you Lord but I'm desperate for a child I want to hear the sound of a baby cry I want what other people have seen I want what my grandmother had. I want what Bishop Cole had. I want to see the kind of revival that they had in the old sawdust camp meetings uh, where the Holy Ghost was so strong uh, that God took that old nasty alcoholic uh, and he filled him with the Holy Ghost uh, and he spoke in tongues all night long uh, and he rolled around on the dirt floor uh, and he didn't care who was looking at him uh, and when he got home, uh, everybody said, what's changed about Larry? What's different? And he said, I'll tell you what's different. Friend. One night, I came to to Tatasa an old camp meeting and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. She wanted what seemed to come so easy for other people. You know, for some churches, revival comes easily. But for other churches... They have to get a spirit of Hannah. And they have to cry out to God. And in that moment of desperation, as she cried out to God, Eli marked her mouth. You can believe what you want to. You may be seated. But Eli, I believe Literally restrained her prayer. I believe that he slapped her in the face. Some theologians believe that he literally covered her mouth with his hand to restrain her prayer. He silenced her. There she was. And the priest of all people became angry. Why, I ask myself, was Eli of all people sitting down while she was praying? First of all, Eli could not recognize supplication when he saw it. He could not recognize the moving Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Of the Spirit of God. He could not see the desperation and the longing in this woman's soul. And he could not recognize that what was happening in that moment was spiritual and not carnal. Now I want you to listen to me as if these are the last words that you'll ever hear in your life. And if you need to run me out of Georgia on a rail, then I understand. People who sit while others pray will never understand the moving of the Spirit of God. You don't have to clap. You don't have to love me. I said people who sit while others pray will never understand the moving of the Spirit of God. Of God. And they will never know the deeper things of the spirit. They will never plunge into the deep water that God has for them. People who sit while others pray will always respond to spiritual things in a carnal manner. Ooh. It's always the sitters who are criticizing It's the sitters who are complaining. It's the sitters who are arguing. It's the sitters who are fighting and fussing in the house of God. It's the sitters who are more concerned with the style of the song than they are with worshiping their great God. It's the sitters who yawn through a sermon because the volume is too loud or the speakers are too soft. It's the sitters who rush through altar service because they don't want the restaurant to close. It's the sitters that want to dance but they don't want to cry. It's the sitters who want watered down preaching and powerless teaching. It's the sitters who will make fun night a priority but they'll never show up when it's prayer night oh I want you to know if you want to call yourself a prayer warrior but you'll never allow yourself to be broken in the altar of God oh I want you to know that there's power in brokenness, there's power at an apostolic altar and there's no shame in shedding a tear in the house of God and there's no shame in crying out in desperation for your loved one and there's no shame in getting a little desperate with God and saying Lord victory shall be mine victory, victory shall be mine if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight in my battle victory, victory shall be mine clap your hands to the Lord, somebody somebody give him high praise right now God might heal somebody right now if you give him high praise. God might answer your prayer request if you'd open up your mouth and give him some praise. Come on, Hannah. Open up your mouth. Come on, Hannah. Don't let Eli stop you. Come on, Hannah. Don't just sit there. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. I beg you to hear me for just a moment. Be seated. Sitters will... Look at your prayer commitment and they'll accuse you of being overly spiritual. Sitters will look at your dedication and your faithfulness and they'll accuse you of being a holier than thou. They'll say you're putting on a show. But whatever you do, child of God, I want to encourage you right now. Never get up and go sit down beside them. Ask them to get up off of their pew and come and get a hold of God with you. Get a hold of somebody and help them wade into the deep waters of the Spirit. Uh, Pray that they'll get a revelation of spiritual things uh, before it's too late. Uh, Sinners and watchers will never experience the power of prayer or see the supernatural in their life. Eli was sitting In the temple. Lord help me not to preach too long. If you study the furniture. Of the temple. The brazen altar. The laver. All of the things that we preach about. The candlestick. All of the furniture that God. Provided to be in the temple. You'll notice that there is not one thing. Provided for them. To sit on. Nothing was designed for them to get too comfortable in the presence of God. Nothing was designed. If you study the Old Testament and the way that the Israelites would come on their days of worship, you'll find that they did not come with chairs, but they would sometimes come for four or five or six or seven hours and they would dance before the Lord. What are you saying? I'm not preaching against pews, but I'm trying to let somebody know that God wants us to come into his presence. And you may not be able to physically stand, but you can be involved in what's happening. You can lift up the sacrifice of praise. You can offer up a sacrifice of worship with your voice and with your attitude and with your posture. If you think that God doesn't realize that a yawn means that we're not paying attention, then you're sadly mistaken. If you think that God doesn't recognize that when we're looking around and sending text messages and holding conversations in the house of God that it means that we're not paying attention. Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. God wants a church that will stand up at attention ready for the supernatural ready for miracle signs and wonders ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Why sit here until we die? I'm not going to sit here and wait Hallelujah. you may be seated people who sit down on God soon lose their motivation and desire and that's when people start coming in on Sundays and they sit there waiting for the praise team to just sing the right song that will motivate me to worship but eventually the time comes when there are no more songs that hit the right buttons in their emotions and all of a sudden they can't feel the presence of God anymore why because their lamps have run out of oil it's what causes people to sit in church And depend on the preacher to preach in a move of the Spirit. Rather than helping to usher in a move of the Spirit. Uh, Until one day, uh, the preacher can't do it by himself anymore. Uh, And everybody's lamps have run out of oil. Until that tragic day, when everybody's wandering the streets. Asking, sir, do you have some oil for me? Ma'am. Do you have any oil? He's coming. He's coming. And and I, and I just don't have any oil left. I, I don't know what happened. I got busy. There was stuff happening. And, and there were all kinds of things. And, and I was remodeling. And I was, and I was going to church. But even in all of that, I lost my oil. And they realized tragically that God has given us The responsibility of maintaining our own lamps. Keeping our own lamp full of oil. It's what causes people to depend on Bishop Cole and Sister Cole's prayer life. Depend on the pastor's anointing or the ministry's dedication. And never get a hold of God for themselves. Until one day their lamps run out of oil. Oh, praise God. When you read about Eli's sons, and I'm coming quickly to a close. I'd lick a piano player to come, but don't play. Just come and be ready. When you read about Eli's sons who knew not the Lord and their great sin, you will find that the Bible says specifically that they abhorred, someone said abhorred. They hated the sacrificial offerings that were offered up daily to the Lord. That's worship. They hated the worship that God required his people to offer daily in the temple. They abhorred the sacrifice of praise. Can I say this? And I didn't come to make friends tonight. I came to obey the Lord. Worship does not bother people who have a clean heart and a right spirit before the Lord. Worship only bothers people who cannot worship because their hearts are full of unrepentant sin that they refuse to allow God to deal with. But I want to have a spirit that says, Lord, if there's anything that's not pure, if there's anything that's not right inside of me, God, remove! Spirit, I refuse to be a sinner in the house of God. Could we stand all across this building could we lift up our hands? I risk hindering somebody tonight, but I didn't come to get some immediate response. I can